Welcome to the Homestead Podcast. You are joining co-hosts Carol and Jamie of TwoGalsHomesteading.com. If you found yourself here, that means you are ready to take responsibility for what you eat, your family's health, and your family's well-being while living a simpler life. You can do this and have fun, saving money along the way. Let them help you unleash the homesteader within. By doing more with less, you will gain what is needed to create confidence, impact, and change in your life and the lives around you. Let's start homesteading, let's start now. What would we like to talk about today? Well, we have, of course, our freeze dryer. Yes. And what we've done in it so far and what we're prepping to do in it. Yeah. My list is long of things to go in. <laughs> okay. So far, we've done pears. Pears? Yep. And I, I learned today that we're not filling our trays enough. I sent you that picture this yes, morning. Yes, yes. And I was like, oh my goodness. I know. I was thinking the same thing. I guess it's not important that everything be spread out and... They won't stick? Yeah. That's what they claim. That's what... Uh, it, um, the picture was posted on... Um, a picture of your pears was posted on one of the freeze-drying groups on um, Facebook. And I belonged to so many, I honestly don't remember which one it is. Yeah, I'm the same um, way. And they were like, oh, you don't have your trays full enough. I'm like, What? What do you mean the trays aren't, trays aren't full enough? And they're like, yeah, apples and pears and stuff, you can just cram them on there. Here's a picture. And yeah, they, oh, oh you could have probably put three to four times as much Well, then I will, because I, I have I have my large Pyrex bowl, my mm-hmm. vintage Pyrex bowl, the yellow one. Mm-hmm. And it's full. And then I have another bowl, glass bowl, that's got pears in it, ready to be sliced and okay. and, and put uh, dipped in pineapple juice and put on the tray. So I will try to pack those in. Yeah. Then, I mean, if we're going to run the freeze dryer, because I, I don't remember how many hours it took last time for it to dry. I don't remember what it was, but um, so we, we might as well pack it full so that you get your, you know, you get as much as you can, can for, for the, one for run. The, for the money that we're spending on electricity and mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. Yep. Get a, get a full run in there. So Because I'm trying to think, we started those Friday night and yep. did you take them out? They We took them out Sunday morning? Nope. No, it Saturday. Had, no, I took them out on s- Saturday night, I think. Okay. Cause Maybe. Because yeah, we saw. Now let's see. I don't remember. It was we, the machine ran overnight, so um, you guys were over here. We were here Friday night. No, you were here Saturday night. Oh, we were here Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you were here Saturday night, and I believe we put them in. I don't remember, but we it started. It was probably up. later. It was late in the evening because we had recorded our podcast first. If yeah, I remember right. Yeah, we had supper recorded yep. and then put them in, and then put them in, and then we took them out on Sunday, which was yesterday. Yeah, because then so you stop by again and and pick some up so you could. Did you make your apple crisp? No, I was going to okay. make it. I should have, but you know. I was like, life gets in the way. Life got in the way, and technology was, you know, making me pull my hair out. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to do something on with my phone and my computer, and they were like, <laughs> oh, it happens. Yeah. So, well, we were, what we're talking about, um, Jamie was going to make um, apple crisp, and she was going to try using the dehydrated pears in there. And then maybe make an adjustment, not yeah. necessarily rehydrate the pears, yeah. just use them as something to absorb some of the juice from the apples. I was going to incorporate, you know, however many apples my recipe said, I was going to take some of that out and put the pears in there. Okay. So hopefully that it would, not that pear, apple crisp is really soupy, 
and stuff and ha- but there wouldn't be as it would be almost more like a cobbler type okay. instead of mm-hmm. having a lot of juices in the bottom of the pan okay and stuff and then i was going to make homemade whipped cream with your cream oh yes yum <laughs> that is some good stuff yes yes it is i did do some we had done some ground beef as well in the freeze dryer that turned out pretty good yeah, so tell me, this is pre-cooked, right? Yes, I had, I um, pre-fried it. It's it's ground beef from our herd of beef out here. And I put, what, a pound and a half on each tray. And I seasoned it. So I just seasoned it like I would for any recipe that I use ground beef in. So it's just seasoned salt, with salt and pepper. pepper and there's onion in there. Okay. I pre-froze it. And then we put it into the freeze dryer. What did it take? 20, 20 hours? I don't remember. I'd have to look on my phone and see what, because we took pictures of it. It's like the texture of granola. In fact, our daughter Madison came in and she thought I had four jars of granola sitting on the table. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, and it's really light. I did actually use some last night with our supper. I, I made chili and I used some of that and it reconstituted beautifully. I used like a cup and a quarter of the freeze-dried ground beef. I added about a cup of water and just left it sit there, and it looked like I had just fried it. It reconstituted fine for me and looked just like it, so I just threw it in with the chili. It just tasted just like, you know, I had just made it fresh. So that was really cool. I will say, though, that Rich tried it right out of the dehydrator, as in in the dry form. <laughs> yeah, he did not care for that at all. He was well, like, ooh, he- that was nasty. <laughs> now, now, another thought I just had is instead of reconstituting it with water, if you're making like a chili or something mm-hmm. where you're using you know, tomato mm-hmm. juice, tomato sauce or anything, mm-hmm. could you just throw it in there just like that? I would assume. And maybe throw in a little bit of extra water? Maybe. I don't know. You know, um, I don't have bone broth running during the summer. Oh, yeah. But in the winter, then I would probably beef reconstitute it with my beef, beef broth. broth. Yeah. You okay. know, just to get that little extra boost in there. But yeah, that's a good idea. I wonder if it would reconstitute with. Because like Bob, you know, even chili, he doesn't like it really soupy. Mm-hmm. He wants it. He likes kind of thick. Yeah, yeah, he likes a stew-type consistency. Okay. So if I make a soup, he puts enough crackers in it so it's stew. <laughs> yep. And so I'm thinking if that would take some of the soupiness out of a chili, mm-hmm. he might enjoy it more. That is probably a really good idea. I'll have, well, one of us will have to try we'll have that. We'll have to try it. Or line. both of us. We have a list. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. We have, we have a, a list of things to free dry and then try to try it. Yeah. Let's see. Anything about Anything else about hamburger? Not that I can think of. I know I will be doing this again. Oh, I should mention that um, we actually vacuum sealed the jars. I put I put it I put my burger into quart sized jars and then used the canning lids, and then we put it into the Harvest Right freeze dryer. Uh, Rich ran the vacuum. He did this while I was working something else, and it took fifty seconds for those to vacuum seal, and you cannot break that seal. Yeah, I haven't tried. So. Yeah, no, well, Rich tried. So, so and, is there a whole tray in this quart? Um, it was it was just a little, the one tray didn't quite fit in there. Okay. And so I had just a little bit, and that's what I made the chili out of, what didn't fit into my four quart jars. Oh, okay. So, and I had, like I said, I had a little over a cup or so left, so I would guess it was maybe, so would it, so I don't know. So when you do you think it would be like two cups then? When you put the water in it and let it sit, uh, do you think it would be a cup? Uh, two cups? I, I bet it only reconstituted about a cup and a half. So it was a, probably quite a pound. Probably not. Okay. You know, um, that would be my guess. I should weigh it. 
see yeah. see how much it weighs when it's freeze dried. You yeah. know the freeze. Well, you know I've said, seen that where you know if you're when you're freeze drying, if you're trying to figure out if it's dry, dry is mm-hmm. to weigh your your trays and stuff, and then put them back in and dry them for two more hours. Okay, is that what I've seen? One of those other rabbit holes we have to go down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, because that's the biggest thing it sounds like, is to make sure that your stuff is dry, dry, right. Right. truly dried all the way through. Yep. yep. And stuff. And so that would be interesting. I'd have to get a different scale because my scale only weighs five pounds, my kitchen scale. Oh, I have okay. a little tiny kitchen scale yep. and it will only weigh up to five pounds. Yeah. And those trays look like they would be. I have, yeah, I have no idea. I don't, my kitchen scale, I believe, goes up to 10 pounds. Okay. I think I'll have to I'll have to weigh one empty before I fill it today. Okay, and then um, the only thing that we screwed up on with doing the jars, we forgot to put an oxygen absorber oh. in there, and so we will be using these relatively yeah. soon. Yeah. You know, but that is the one thing because then Rich tried to take the seal off. <laughs> he was like, "Nope, I'm going to ruin the jar. We'll just leave it. We'll just use yeah. these in a relatively short time." Yeah. So that is the one thing that we did forget to do. That would so be- I have a question. Uh, okay. You know, that my thing is thinking is like how long am I preparing this? Well, you know they say this stuff can last twenty five years. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it won't last twenty five. We it won't be around for twenty five years because we'll use it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so what is your projection of how long would you keep this? Granted, you have a herd and you have deep freezes that you want to try to empty mm-hmm. out, and ground mm-hmm. beef looks like a simple way to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like going. I guess I haven't really thought that far ahead as to how far in advance. How much I, are you prepping? Yeah, how much I'm prepping for. Right now, I would just really like to empty a freezer. Yeah. You know, and I'm looking at more of that than how long is it going to sit on my shelf. But I do love the idea that if it, I left it there, it could last for 25 years. Yeah. You know, I mean. Or, you know, even for two, you know, during these crazy times, mm-hmm. you know, you have ground beef on your shelf that's out of the freezer, it's not affected by electricity. Right. And that you could probably feed your family for a year or two. Mm-hmm. That would exactly. be, yeah. And, and all you need is water. You don't really, you might need a look, little electricity or a stove, well, campfire to heat. to heat your water. Yep. That's but, kind of a cool concept that, yeah. that's kind of like. Yeah, I know. It's a, a different way of thinking. Yeah. It definitely is a different way of thinking and trying to remember that, oh, that's right. I have something that's freeze dried on the shelf that I should use or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like I said, haven't really looked real long term or yet. yeah i haven't yeah. either i haven't I, either i will say that i right now i've been using jars because obviously i don't plan on keeping it yeah super super long yeah we're not it, planning a yeah we're yeah. not putting a tweet 10 year plan into effect right right, now. right and i i like the be, ability to reuse my jars yeah and not just throw the mylar bag away or make it smaller and smaller and smaller oh, until you can't use it anymore yeah that's you know um, like with the food saver bag too i'm the same way mm-hmm. or you know even ziplocs you I, know i try to minimize my waste yeah i try to you know i put leftovers in jars mm-hmm. there's another subject we're yep. gonna talk about yep. later and we can talk about that later <laughs> okay Do we, should, well, should we talk about the other thing that we've done then how about pears we did our pears yep we did our pears saturday night we put those in why yep. am i thinking friday night and you said that took probably Saturday it took, night? It took Saturday night into Sunday morning. I think it finished sometime maybe during the night because I believe we were taking them off the trays in the morning. So probably 12, maybe 20 12 hours, 18 hours, hours, something like that. I honestly don't remember. Yeah. How did you, the flavor, <laughs> what did you think of the flavor? Well, I thought it, 
I thought it tastes like a pear. Yeah. I thought it tastes like a pear, but it has a different texture to it. And then the minute it hits like the saliva in your mouth, yep. it gets kind of, I don't know, like styrofoamy or I don't know how to describe. Yeah. Not that I eat styrofoam, but <laughs> <laughs> it gets maybe a little like gummy. Yeah. Is a good way to describe it. I'm not sure now, like I was telling you, I had read somewhere that somebody said to put some cinnamon on them and it really yeah. enhances the flavor. So we'll be trying that yep, with that's your our next, next batch. batch. Our next batch will do. Other than that, I thought they were good. They would be a nice snack for if you were, you know, hiking or, you know, you needed to take something with you. and Or you, Bob. Bob is, yeah, he was eating them last night. Okay. So he, okay. he liked the flavor. Okay. But then your husband, Rich. Yep. Did not care for the texture. Yeah, he didn't, and he and he's really not a pear eater. In oh, fact, okay. I couldn't tell you the last time I saw him eat a pear. Oh, okay. I honestly don't know if his opinion is valid because <laughs> 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 he's not a pear eater. Yeah, you know. Now, when we do apples or bananas or something like that, then I did I, buy apples. Okay, for for the crisp. Yeah, for the crisp and to dry. Okay. Bob wanted to try. I bought some Granny Smith because he likes Granny Smith he apples. The sharp. That he tart. likes the tartness and stuff, and so we bought some of them, and so they're in the lineup of things to try. Okay. So we'll see how those turn out, and if Rich likes that texture, because mm-hmm. I a lot of because I um I have bought freeze dried fruit from a, a local gal that that's what she does. She freeze dries it and sells it at farmers markets, mm-hmm. and I bought and. That was the texture of the pear was kind of the texture of the stuff that I've bought from her. Okay, so then we're on the right track. Anyway. Yeah, so so I think we're gonna have that texture th- feel on our tongue and stuff, but you okay. have the the true flavor of whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like the strawberry. I've done strawberries, blueberries, and banana. She had okay and stuff in the mix that I bought, and okay. so it, well, that's good that we you know you have something to judge it by, yeah. so that we. We are doing it correctly. Yeah. So I figure as long as it tastes good and yep. it's kind of dry, yep. we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yes, you know, we'll figure it that out. We are. Yes, yes. It's it's an adventure, if nothing else. So tell me what else you prepped. What do you have in the freezer oh, right now? Oh, I have in the freezer right now. I have cheese in the freezer. I have sliced cheddar cheese cut into squares to so it. it I'm told it freeze dries kind of like a, a cheese it or like a cheese it like a cheese cracker. Yeah. And then I had um, some mozzarella cheese that I wasn't going to be able to use up. Instead of throwing it back into the freezer, I thought, why not freeze dry that? So we have at least a tray of that. There might be two trays of that. I think there's two trays of the mozzarella cheese, shredded mozzarella cheese. Okay. And that's store-bought. Store-bought, yep, shredded with the, the stuff they put on it so it doesn't cake. Yes. Okay. And then, let's see, the other tray has my homemade Colby cheese on it. And I, I cubed that. And so we'll see how that works. Rich thinks it's going to be weird. Crunchy well, cheese, he says, is going to be weird. Well, the worst, I, I figured it could crumble. Yep. Well, I, re- I read that it, you know, you throw it into a dish and it melts beautifully. Yeah, yeah I figured um, a hot dish, put it on top of a hot it, dish. For those of you who don't know what a hot dish is, oh, yeah. we're Minnesotans. So yeah. And so we have hot dishes, dishes not casseroles. casseroles. <laughs> <laughs> I forget that. Have we ever said that? Yes, we're in uh, central Minnesota. <laughs> I don't think we have. Yeah, yeah. we're central Minnesota. Minnesota. So, you know, it's a cool, cool day today. So it's like sweatshirts are on again. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's fall is definitely here for us. Yep. Speaking of fall. Fall. Okay, so harvest, harvesting gardens is, is coming to an end, at least in our area. Right. Now, the other day I was on the Small Farm Sustainability and Homestead Living Group 
on Facebook, and a gal named Becky Mills asked and posted, she posted a picture of a watermelon in her, from her garden. It says, how do I know when to pick a watermelon? This is my first time growing them. Thanks. So what do you know about growing watermelons uh, and picking watermelons and finding the best one? Okay. I know very little. Okay. Um, I do not grow watermelons. I, I've tried twice. And for the space that a watermelon takes in my small garden, mm-hmm. and I would get one or two watermelons off a vine that takes up a huge hunk of my garden, I decided that it was not worth my effort to do it or space to do watermelons because it was much easier to go to a farmer's market and buy one. Or From even, a pro. <laughs> yeah. Or even, um, you know, to go to the supermarket and buy mm-hmm. one. You yep. know, it was, it, it was not worth my space because it was not something that you could, in my world, preserve and have in the wintertime. And I, my garden is focused on preserving stuff to take me through the winter, even though watermelon's awesome and I love watermelon. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I, very small stuff that I've, I've gleaned over the last few years when I've read things like this is that there is like little uh, tentacles that are up towards the top of the plant. Mm-hmm. And when they start to wither and mm-hmm. die, then it should be ripe. That's what they're saying in this post, the comments that are underneath okay. there. There's, oh, I don't know, there's 46 comments or something like that. And that was probably the most common thread I saw was if you're growing your own watermelons and when they, they have like two or three tendrils, I think is what they call oh, them. Okay. Um, once the one closest to the watermelon dries okay. and turns brown and the stem turns brown, then your watermelon should be ripe. That's the most common thing. Now, there was a few other things that were mentioned in there as well. Of course, you know you know about the yellow spot, the field oh, spot, yeah. they call it. Yep. And you should have it. I saw anything from cream colored to yellow, deep orange, whatever. And I know that's true. I, um, I'm very picky about my watermelon. I don't grow watermelon. I have. But our growing season is so short. That's another reason. That's another reason. That you really have to have one that matures in a really short period of time because our growing season is so short or you need to start your plants in, in your, the house, you know. Yeah. Or, Which yeah. is a big issue too if you don't have the space. And so that was the looking for the field spot. And the more orange it is, the riper, you know, the longer it's been on the vine, the longer it's been laying in the field. Okay. That type of thing. That's another way to tell if it's if it's ripe enough. And also, a shiny watermelon isn't ripe. They oh. need to be dull. They have to be dull. A dull watermelon will be will be a ripe or a sweet watermelon. Okay. And I'm trying to think of what else did they mention. I know a few things. I mean, people probably laugh at me and Madison, my daughter Madison, because when we pick out a watermelon, watermelon. seriously, when we're in the store... It's not unusual for me to stand there for 20 minutes going over every single watermelon looking for the signs for a sweet, juicy watermelon that's ripe. And it takes a while, and they, I put them in the cart, take them out of the cart, put them in the cart, put them. I, I go back and forth all the time trying now, to do decide. do you do the thumping test? Yes, I do. I, I could I, never figure that one my out. My dad always did it. We'd go to the grocery store, and he'd be like, and he'd just tap them and whatever. And it was a hit and miss whether, yep. you know, and I'm, I never really realized what he was listening for, but you're listening for when you thump them, it needs to sound hollow. Okay. It's gotta, and, you know, your watermelon should feel heavy for its size. size okay. Because that just means it's juicier. And the more uniform the watermelon is. Uniform is the As in shape. rounder. You know, you don't have 
an oblong one supposedly, well, unless it's breed or the variety that's supposed to be oblong, but most watermelons today in the grocery store are round. Yeah. Most of them are round and most of them are seedless. The rounder it is, and I've I've read the round ones are the females and the oblonged or oddly shaped ones are the males and the females are always sweeter. Sweeter. Whether that's true or not, I have no idea. (laughs) But I always try to buy a watermelon that's fairly uniform so it doesn't have a weird spot on it where it's I don't want to call it form but you know oddly shaped um the best advice I ever heard from someone about watermelons is Rich and I were on a trip we picked up a motorcycle for a friend of ours down in um South Carolina and on our way home the I don't remember what happened something happened with the trailer or with our van or whatever I don't remember the details exactly but I was left alongside the road (laughs) with two motorcycles on a trailer and I was along the interstate and a trucker stopped and I was like oh boy here I am female standing there a trailer with two Harley Davidson motorcycles sitting on it and crap you know, and the guy gets out and he's like, well, can I help you? And I'm like, oh, my husband's, he'll be back just real soon. He was running for a part or something because something's wrong with the trailer or whatever. And he's like, oh, well, I'll just stay here with you and keep you company till he gets back or whatever. I'm like, okay. And he's like, talks to me a little bit. And he's like, oh, I got my semi is full of watermelons. I'm like, oh, cool. Do you like watermelons? He says, I said, yeah, I love watermelon. I love watermelon. And he's like, well, tell you what, we'll, we'll go back there and I'll teach you all, all, everything I know about watermelons. And so we went to the back of his truck, and it was literally loaded. With oh, my God, that's a lot of, <laughs> that's they were, a lot of the, watermelons. They were coming from Georgia, and I don't remember exactly where he was going, but they were Georgia watermelons. He's like, here, I'll show you how to pick out a really good watermelon. And he, he flipped it to the um, blossom end, and he says, a ripe watermelon will give on the blossom end. You push on that blossom thing, and you just push it a little bit, and if it gives your watermelon's ripe. And that trick has never failed me. Oh, I did not know that. I'll yep. try that. Yep. And, um, you know, of course, you want to look for the other things, too. The spot, the, the yep. field spot that I already mentioned. And, you know, when you're in the grocery store, you can't look for the tendril oh, and yeah. all that, you know, that type of thing. And then he said the other thing to look for is to look for webbing on so the watermelon. The stripes, what I so, would call the stripe? Nope, nope. Webbing is where it looks like it's got a scar. Okay. Yep. And it looks kind of like honeycomb or webbing. And he said that that that's from bugs being on the, the skin on the skin, and it actually, I, if I remember right, it happens when the melon is fairly young. And he said that bugs will only eat on the sweetest watermelon. So the uglier okay. it is, the sweeter the sweeter your watermelon is. So if you're in the grocery store and you see a watermelon that doesn't have that on it at all. That is that goes over in the discard pile as far as I'm concerned. That's the first thing I okay. look for. I look for that first. And then I then I check the spot and I check the blossom end to make sure that it has okay, some. Okay, let's gift. go to the store now. I want a watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> we might not be able to find them anymore. I know. Here. Can we find watermelons? I was yet? gonna say we're kind of on the end of um watermelon season. Well now that's but, like an interesting thing. On TikTok, I, w- I watch TikTok and there was a gal that her um oh what is her handle? She talks about buying into the season to buy fruit and vegetables at the end of the seasons because they're better priced. Mm-hmm. And watermelon was one of them. She loves watermelon. She goes, they're cheaper now than they are in July. 
because they're coming to and they're trying to move their inventory and it's like mm-hmm. ooh, can i go find a watermelon yeah now i want to go look for watermelon yeah now i want to look for watermelon i don't know the other the other thing that was mentioned on the group and i don't remember who said it but somebody said that or actually i think i saw it about three different times in a comment that if you're growing watermelon and your watermelon is ripe and it just rained wait do not oh. pick your watermelon right after it rains let it sit for a couple days couple let it dry and you'll your watermelon will be sweeter oh because it's probably watered it, down maybe it dried out a little bit i don't i don't know i yeah. don't know what the logic is behind that but i thought that was interesting and it wasn't mentioned by just one person it was mentioned by a couple of different people okay and then there was somebody who mentioned that if you put a piece of straw on top of the watermelon and i don't remember what it was supposed to do you put a piece of straw on there and the so if it turns then you're supposed to have a ripe watermelon I, that, so that is a, a new one for me. You I lay a straw. A, and I don't know. I thought he said a piece of straw. straw. So I would assume like if you're growing your own and you have actually straw, yeah. not a drinking straw. Oh, yeah. I read it as a straw, a yeah. piece of straw, straw like, like hey, bedding. Yep, hey. like bedding. Yes. And so I was like, oh, that's an interesting one. I I don't grow watermelon. So that, yeah, I and, wouldn't know. And if you're in the grocery store, you can't really do that. <laughs> you take the straw, piece <laughs> of straw out of your purse. <laughs> I'm just like, just a minute. I got to, well, as long as it takes me to pick out a watermelon, somebody would, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if I tried to do that. <laughs> but okay. Um, somebody's doing a TikTok on you, oh, Carol. Yep. Here it is. Here's Jeff Howell. He's the one who said, one known fact that I've never read, run your hands across the top. And if you feel grooves, it's ripe also lay a piece of straw on it and if it rotates it's ripe true story okay so if jeff knows what he's talking about i don't know we might but have to wait until next time to try that one <laughs> try that one i don't know that i thought that was interesting yeah, yeah. i could see so, doing that and if you're out in the garden or the field or mm-hmm. something that's yeah. that's an interesting one but uh, some of these old farmer thingies are are good good tools yep the thing um what what else are we prepping is so I am prepping. I have tomatoes. I'm starting to, my tomatoes are slowing down because we're fall. Mm-hmm. We have frost maybe forecast for two, that's tomorrow night. That's tomorrow oh, night. Oh my goodness. Um, tonight and tomorrow will be really busy <laughs> in my house. Um, and so I've been picking tomatoes and my peppers have slowed down and stuff. So I have tomatoes that need to be something done with them. And there's really not enough to do like a batch of salsa or okay. I could do, I was thinking, do I do stewed tomatoes and stuff? But then I thought I had read um, about making tomato powder mm-hmm. in the freeze dryer. Mm-hmm. And so to just take them, you know, just wash them, core them, cut them in chunks and then throw them on the tray and f- pre-freeze them and then freeze dry them. And then okay. you would take yep. them out and put them in your food processor or blender and powder them. Mm-hmm. And then to go make your, if you're going to make spaghetti sauce, you could either use that as your base, like a tomato paste, and then add some tomato sauce to it. Or like sometimes homemade spaghetti sauce does, if you're lazy, like somebody here talking, and you don't want to <laughs> cook your spaghetti sauce down so that it's really thick mm-hmm. at the time of canning it. Mm-hmm. And you just can it. So to take that, my, my intention is to take my jar of spaghetti sauce and throw a tablespoon of tomato powder in it and thicken it up okay like you would put tomato paste in it right but, right but you don't end up with you know when you buy commercial tomato paste you use a tablespoon of it and then you have two or three tablespoons <coughs> left in the can and it's like what are we going to do with them do you put them in their freezer and forget mm-hmm. that they're there mm-hmm. 
which I have done number yep, of times. Yep. Or you think, yeah, I'll put this in the refrigerator and I'll use it in the next couple of days. And, and it's like, it no, happen. you open it in a few weeks and it's like, ooh, yeah. what are we growing here? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's my, I think, next. So after the pears. After the pears to do the tomatoes. Okay, so let me ask you now. You're, we're looking at frost coming. So yeah. what do, do you do you cover your plants or do you just harvest everything and it depends like i'm gonna i'm gonna go out and look at my tomatoes tonight and see how many green ones i have on it because i looking at the forecast the 10 days forecast tonight uh tomorrow night is supposed to be you know 32 um and you said yours said 31 mm-hmm. and so but then that next night it's only in the 40s mm-hmm. i will like my tomatoes i will probably cover them with sheets i have a uh uh milk crate of sheets old flat sheets fitted sheets mm-hmm. that i throw over my that's just for my garden plants or wherever we need a drop cloth and i will cover those because i have enough time that i may get some more ripe tomatoes okay but like my peppers if i look at my peppers and they look like they're not going to do if they've only got like one or two peppers on them i will pick them and pull them and then like my green i have pulled green beans i will not cover them because it's hard even to cover them to keep them going because once it gets cold, their production really slows down. So I will harvest whatever's on my green beans. And then um, if it freezes tomorrow night and they die, they die. But if I can get another, if it doesn't freeze all the way and it's still warm and I can maybe get like another couple hand Because they're slowing down. I'm only getting a handful at a time now. Okay. Just enough. And actually I am taking them. I have a jar of dilly beans. This year I ventured into making dilly beans. And so I have a jar that I've just been taking them. Um, picking a handful at a time and throwing them in there and have them in sitting in the refrigerator. Oh, okay. That's a good idea. Yeah. So it's, it's not enough to do a whole batch of dilly beans. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I figured, you know, I'll use them instead of just letting them waste and right, stuff. Right, right. And you so, got a little snack there. Yeah, I liked them. They, I, I'd had them. How they do in the freeze dryer. Ooh. Pickled. Yeah, your dilly beans. Dilly beans freeze dried. Oh, yeah, that's an idea. Oh, put that on the list. <laughs> I was just thinking, oh, I wonder how that, you know, they just going to be like nice little snack. Yeah, you know, you said Bob likes those snacky type things. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's, you know, I looked at, we were at Walmart yesterday. I had, you know, I don't know what the brand name is where they've got the peas snack thing. Yes, I've seen them. I don't know what they're called. Though. Yeah, I can't remember what the name is. But anyway, what it is, is they've taken peas and pulverized them, probably freeze dried them, pulverized them. But then they add other stuff in there. <laughs> and re- make them look like a pea and then dry them somehow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's the stuff that they put in there that I don't want. Right. And stuff. And so it's like, I want to try to make that. I want to try to do that with green beans next summer and then to do that with peas and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, But to do the dilly beans. Ooh. Uh, oh, just, just a thought. Yeah. Just a thought. How are the list is growing. <laughs> yes, I know it is. Um, next year, you're going to have to look at okay what do i want to freeze dry let's see i got to plant that in my garden now type thing you know <laughs> yep. you gotta think kind of backwards so to speak and so that you can figure that out i if you haven't gathered it i don't garden out here and on the farm which it probably is unusual for a farmer but i have free-range chickens and it's just it's tough with free range yep it's it's tough and so for me i just rely on the farmers markets i figure they're the experts oh well and jamie too she she you know she furnishes me with garden produce but um that's what i do i i i can garden i grew up my parents garden my grandparents gardened and all that kind of stuff but i just 
the, the pressure you have the animal pressure out here of like mm-hmm. your chickens mm-hmm. let alone raccoons mm-hmm. deer yep you'd have to put a fence i remember my mom and dad they put up like almost a six foot tall fence around their garden mm-hmm. to keep the deer out but it didn't keep the raccoons out i mean you had to be on your corn yeah or yep. the raccoons were over <laughs> yep. that fence picking it for you so yeah you have to fence the animals out when you're yep. out on the farm and like I said, when when we had a hoop building, we actually had a hoop building out here um, on a greenhouse. It wasn't heated or anything, and that worked really well because I could keep everything out of it that I needed to. We converted that building into a calf barn when we started the dairy. I kind of lost that that space. That space, and I just really haven't gotten back into it. It's like not like I don't know how to garden because I do. For me, it's just easier at this point in my life to not garden. I yeah. might do it eventually again. Well, you have but, to choose. I mean, mm-hmm. a- as you know, as we age, mm-hmm. how much you want to do. I, I mean, when I was younger, I had a 25 by 40 foot garden. Mm-hmm. Now I've got six four by four boxes because mm-hmm. getting up and down on my knees is not as easy in my 50s as mm-hmm. it was in my 30s. <laughs> Exactly. And I think back, my grandma had, you know, huge gardens. She had gardens. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how the heck she do that? <laughs> I'm in my 50s. And I remember my grandma, and she was in her 60s when I remember her. And she was still out there gardening. She had a huge orchard, apple orchard. And her and grandpa were out there picking. And I'm like, yeah. how did they do we- that? Seriously. I, are we lazy I don't know. Are we just older or what? You know, it's just I'm just amazed at when I think about it. You know, my, my grandma had her last baby at 45. Oh. And I'm thinking, eh. <laughs> 32 was tough, light enough for me. I was going to say, it's like, are you kidding me? You know, it's just kind of interesting to, and I, then I kind of feel lazy because I'm thinking, yeah. well, if grandma could have done it, you know, if grandma was doing this, you know, or whatever. But, you know, maybe her garden wasn't as big as I think. It's just that I was little and little, it looked really, really big. big yeah. You know, I don't know, but she had everything fenced off. They were out on a farm and she had a, her garden was all fenced off for the chickens because she had a laying flock. Yeah. And um, yeah, she had them all fenced off all the time. And I don't ever remember her chickens being in her garden, but gosh darn it, my chickens were in my garden, even if I had it fenced off. So I'm not sure how she magically did that. Anyway. Yeah. What we got word this morning from Pico Supply. And they have agreed to do our, our hosting, our sponsoring us for this next year. So we've got Yay. we've got a sponsor. Yay. Yay our first sponsor. Yes, yes. Thank you, Pico Supply. Ruth, you're great. I'm looking forward to working with you some more. We've we have a history already, so that's that's great. But yeah, so we do have our first first uh, sponsor Sponsors. so it's, it's awesome yeah nope that should i think that's about it we're gonna call it a day guys i think so that sounds like a good deal so until next time okay. put some keeper on it <laughs> thank you for listening to the homestead podcast's latest episode your hosts carol radke and jamie kappas are two gals homesteading to learn more, go to twogalshomesteading.com or the Two Gals Homesteading Facebook page at facebook.com slash twogalshomesteading. Editing, audio production, and marketing of the Homestead Podcast is the responsibility of Media Transex. The Homestead Podcast is an audio product of Media Transex, a limited liability company based in Minnesota, USA. Family-owned PicoSupply.com brings small-town customer service to their online farm store. 
PeteCoSupply.com specializes in automatic waterers from top brands such as Miraco, Jug, Franklin, Trojan, and Ritchie, as well as other products for your operation. Find your farm supplies and automatic waterers at PeteCoSupply.com. That's P-E-T-E-C-O Supply.com. PeteCoSupply.com. 